0: Well, good morning, friends. This morning, we as a family get to wrap up our series together, Guardrails. But before we do that, real quick, a couple just housekeeping things we got to get away. Some of you are like, why are there bikes and ATVs on the stage? Tonight kicks off our Radiant Kids Camp. So if you got a kid, I forgot the ages, but uh, it should be in your handout. There we go. All right, I forgot the ages of kids camp. Probably kindergarten to fourth grade. We'll just fifth grade. Thank you. We'll go with that. All right. Hey, get them out tonight. It kicks off. So that's what some of it. It's called Amped, and it's the extreme. So that's why we see what we see on stage. They're prepping for tonight. So if you don't have a kid, if you don't have a grandkid, niece or nephew, uh, be in prayer for our team. Be in prayer for the kids over the next four days as the team pours into those kids. And they're going to get tired, but it's going to be amazing. So be in prayer. For them, uh, this morning, no oh, five. We had our 5K last night, and I just want to say, hey, thank you, thank you for your support, thank you for your donations. Yes, thank you. For those that came out to uh, help out and do different things, to those that did prep work behind the scenes, thank you so much. We had more runners this year than last year. I think our total number was around 250, somewhere right around there, total runners that we had. And we'll let you guys know when time comes of how much money came in that we are writing the check out to the community. So we'll let you know when that final number comes in. Lastly, before we jump into guardrails, maybe some of you have sat on this peachy salmon coral color card. And if not, there's plenty out in the lobby as well. That's our next teaching series that kicks off next week. So we want you to invite someone. So, this is an easy way to invite your friends, invite your family members or co worker to Radiant Life to say, hey, I don't know a whole lot about a Bible, but you need to come, right? It's a really easy way to just sneak this into someone's hands. And we kick this off next week, and we're going to go several weeks in. And the idea of a mixtape is it's got a variety. So you're going to hear a variety of us and what God's placed on our hearts. And I've been preaching for the last two weeks that you need something for July 8th's message, You need the YouVersion Bible. Get it on your phone. Get it on your tablet. Get it some way, somehow, on uh, any mobile device. It's free, and our church is going to launch something through this online Bible app. Okay? So it should be awesome. So download that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better download it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're awesome. You already have it. Half of you just lied in church this morning. All right, well, this morning we're going to wrap up our four-part series together titled Guardrails, and I was realizing when I was growing up, uh, my parents in their living room have two chairs, and there's an end table, and I was little, and my mom had a folder that had all her dirty secrets in it, so I'd always look into it. No, it didn't have her dirty secrets in it. Um, I think it had like financial stuff and grocery lists and other things like that. I always snuck and looked at it. Uh, she's probably hearing it for the first time that I did that, but I, I looked, and over time, I realized, um, they, my parents, <laughs> don't do this, parents, but they put, like, the Christmas gift list in there, and I found it one time. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I found it one time, and uh, I want, I remember one, just one year particularly, because other years, I would look and close my eyes, but this year, I actually, the one year, not this year, like, I'm a child still, but <laughs> one year, I actually looked at the list, and I saw I wanted a big red fire truck or something like that, and it was on the list, and I was really disappointed because I knew what I was getting now for Christmas, and when I opened it, I was like, mm. you know, like, I, I wanted it, but it kind of just ruined that excitement of being a kid at Christmas and opening up to see what you got, but after that, I never looked one time in that folder. I learned And what often that you and I do is we can look back to our childhood or things that we used to do growing up and say, I don't do that anymore. Some of you, maybe you're like the rebel, always got in trouble, just never learned from your mistakes, and eventually you grew up, you're like, yeah, that was good. But one thing we also do with our behavior is we learn to modify and monitor our behavior. Hopefully, we change over time, right? Hopefully we've learned from our past that I can't keep doing that and we monitor and modify what we do as we grow up. For some of us, we may still do and say certain things and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know where that came from. And everyone else around you want to say, I know right where that came from. It came from this thing right here, right? You spoke those words, I know right where they came from. But we haven't learned to monitor and modify our behavior. And this morning, as we wrap up this series together, we're going to talk about this. But a quick review if you haven't been here. Guardrails, a definition, is defined as a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And we've seen this picture the entire series of guardrails are placed in the safety zone, not in the danger zone. Not where it's already too late, you're off the cliff. Now, guardrails are designed to minimize damage. You'll still receive damage because you hit it, but it's not as great of damage if you didn't have that guardrail in the first place. And we said guardrails are set in our lives to make us feel uneasy early so we don't make that huge moral or financial or marriage decision that would absolutely destroy us. And so this morning, we've talked about a lot of different topics in this series, but I'm going to come down and boil it down to one major thing as we close. And this morning, we're going to talk about guarding your heart, guarding your heart. Now, in the, back in the Old Testament, there was a guy by the name of Solomon. He was king. He was the third king. You had Saul that was king. Then he had David and his son. Solomon reigned. He had 300 wives, 700 concubines. I mean, can you imagine that, right? And he was wisest, one of the wisest people ever to live. He wrote three books that we, you and I have in our scripture. He wrote, um, he wrote Proverbs. He wrote Song of Songs, and he wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote those three, and he wrote on all sorts of topics. Just about everything you can imagine, King Solomon wrote about it. He wrote about work. He wrote about money. He wrote about sex. He wrote about marriages. He wrote about just everything. And there's one thing in the book of Proverbs that you don't want to miss what he says. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is what King Solomon says Above what, friends? All else. I can imagine Solomon sitting there writing this, penning this out, and realizing I have written a lot of things. I've written all this wisdom stuff. I've written all about, man, I, this song of songs. Wow, it's a sexy book that's all about marriage. And if you're married, you ought to read it together. It's awesome. And then he writes this book on Ecclesiastes where he's like, everything's meaningless in life. It's worthless, you know. And he's like, you know, above everything else, everything I've ever written, i got to get this one point across for everyone to hear above all else he says this guard your what guard your heart for everything you do flows from it friends what would it if what we say actually originates from within how much more should we be guarding our heart? If the things that we say and do originate from what's already inside of here, shouldn't we be guarding this thing? And 2,000 years ago, Jesus takes this and is going to elevate it to the next level. He's going to give you a better picture. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter—I'm sorry—Matthew I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 in the Newer Testament, two-thirds of your way through your Bible, you're going to find Matthew there. Use the table of contents if you have to. But Jesus is doing his thing. He's healing. He's preaching. He's doing his thing. The crowds are coming. He's got 12 dudes that he called the disciples that are following him, doing life together, life on life. And all of a sudden, there's these religious leaders known as the Pharisees during Jesus' time. And the Pharisees are going to ask Jesus a question. They're trying to trick Jesus. They don't like what Jesus is doing. It's not the norm. It's just unusual. And they're like, okay, is he really the son of God? And they're trying to trick him. And they enter in to Jesus, has a crowd. The religious leaders come. The 12 disciples are there. And they're going to ask this question. Matthew 15, verse 2. Here's what the religious leaders ask to Jesus. Why do your disciples break the what, friends? tradition of the elders they don't wash their hands before they eat and you sit there and go what is he talking about well you got to understand old testament law here in the older testament there was a law for the high priests the high priest before you do any ceremonial thing for god you got to be clean you can't touch anything unclean. Your hands can't be unclean. And one of the things that the high priest and the people did before entering into the synagogue to worship is they walked down into these ritual baths called mikvahs. Let me hear you say mikvah. A mikvah is just a stone bath with maybe five to seven stairs that you would wash. You would walk down and just sit back and wash yourself and you would be ceremonially clean. Now the high priest, it was required for the high priest to be clean before they do anything for God. You cannot be unclean. Through history, though, those religious leaders came up with a tradition that everyone should be clean. Something that was only placed on the high priest in the Old Testament came out, everyone who follows God should be clean. So they asked this question, hey, Jesus, we notice your 12 disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. They're breaking the tradition the man-made stuff that you placed on the high priest that were only supposed to be for the high priest you placed it on everyone else and I'm sitting here going you know what even in our culture today we don't wash our hands before we eat right most you I'm not even going to go there but some of us don't wash our hands in other times when we should be washing our hands but we're sitting here going we have to understand Old Testament law where are they getting at and, G- and they're sitting and going, uh-uh-uh, you're 12 guys, we see how they eat, they don't wash their hands, and Jesus is going to have none of that. He's going to respond in verse 3, he says this, Jesus replied, and why do you break the what? Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your what? So Jesus flips it on them. Remember, you, you guys are saying that there's the tradition of the elders, forget the tradition, why do you break the command of God? It's you. You're breaking the command of God for the sake of your stinking tradition. And Jesus is going to go on. He's like, all right, let me explore and explain even more. He says this, for God said, not the elders, God said, honor your father and mother. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. And you may be sitting going, what? So let me explain. This is the command that you have in your life, you have this money, okay? And what tradition, what the high priest ended up doing is taking this idea that this money, that you can honor your father and mother, one of the Ten Commandments, help them out when they're needy, the the, the, uh, Pharisees came up with a system to bypass what God's command is. So they said, you have this money. Instead of helping out mom and dad, you take this money, go to the temple and say, I've devoted it to God. So then when you're over here and mom and dad come and say, we need help, what do you say? Sorry, mom and dad devoted it to God. So you don't have to honor mom and dad. And Jesus is furious. He's like, you guys are breaking God's command, how dare you? And you're sitting here picking on my disciples because they don't wash their hands before they eat. And then in verse 6, he continues, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your what again? Tradition, not command. You made this thing up, remember? You hypocrites. This is one of the most derogatory terms in the first century world you could have called someone. Like, think of a derogatory, I mean, without sinning, think of a derogatory term in your head that we would use in our culture today. That's what Jesus is doing in this moment. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites, you religious leaders. You have this man-made tradition of the elders that you've placed on people, yet you break the real command of God of honoring your father and mother. This isn't right. And I imagine in this moment, the religious leaders are probably saying, all right, see you later. He just embarrassed us and called us hypocrites. They're like out of town. And then Jesus is going to address the crowd in this moment. In verse, in verse 10, he says this. Jesus called the, called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is, or what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And we sit there and say, what is defile? What is Jesus after? The idea of defile means you're unworthy, you're at odds with God. And that tradition of you got to wash your hands before you eat, that was supposed to be on the high priest, the Pharisees said, that's what puts you at odds with God, your unclean hands when you're eating food. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. What puts you at odds with God is what comes out of your mouth that's what puts you at odds with God. Now in this moment, I can imagine Peter, one of the the leaders of the 12 disciples, having a little conversation with his disciples, and he's like, yeah, um, we don't know what Jesus is still talking about. We gotta go ask him. So Peter goes and says, Jesus, um, hey, I understand what you're talking about, but the other 11 don't. So can you explain more? And we know Peter actually goes up and asks Jesus, hey, give us a parable. Tell us the meaning of this. And Jesus' response in verse 16 is awesome. Here's what Jesus says. Are you still so dull? Like just turn to your neighbor and say, are you still so dull? How awesome is Jesus? just called a bunch of religious people hypocrites and then he turns to his disciples and says you guys are idiots like come on right spouses don't ever use this with each other you're not going to get far in your relationship just don't use it don't use it with your kids or grandkids all right just allow Jesus to use this okay and Jesus says you guys just don't get it do you all right and Jesus is going to give his 12 disciples an anatomy lesson He's like, oh, I'm gonna really dull this thing down. We're going to biology 101. And he says this don't you see that whatever enters the mouth enters the stomach, then out of the body. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jesus had to dumb it down. Hey, you guys don't get what I'm talking about. Anatomy, alright? And then he gets, alright. I think this was like the teaser. Jesus, was like, let me just loosen them up a little bit and then let me bring the heavy stuff. And then Jesus says this But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the where, friends? It comes from the heart. And these defile them. Because what we say and do comes from within. And what's within can put you and me at odds with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus says this, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, disciples. Do you need me to go on with the list? It's all of these These evil things that lurk in your heart, it's these are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. In the midst you say, but Jesus, how does what's in my heart put me at odds with you? Because what's in our heart eventually comes out. And what comes out often is hurtful things that we say to other people. And you hurt other people, you hurt your heavenly father. You harm other people by what you do and say, you're harming your heavenly father. And God says, and Jesus in the midst of it says, that is what puts you at odds with him. It's not what the Pharisees want to make it out to be. It's not what your unwashed hands, it's what's inside. And ultimately, what I know through this is that our behavior will eventually mirror our hearts. Because what's inside will eventually come out. It'll come out in what we say and what we do. So this morning, quickly, I want to talk about four things that if we let come into our hearts, it's going to destroy our hearts and we're going to harm other people with our words. I wanna put up four things that we gotta put guardrails up for our hearts. And these are the four guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. And here's the danger. We allow these already to creep in. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of these emotions, as these come into our heart, we say, uh oh, I gotta do something about it. Instead of sitting there going, no, I need guardrails for this right now so these don't creep into my heart. So, guilt, what does guilt say? Guilt says this, I owe you. I'm guilty of something. I owe you. And what guilt will do is we'll put up walls with guilt. I know I hurt that person, but I'm going to put up a wall because it's really uncomfortable to go to them now. I have guilt in my heart. And anger, anger says, you owe me. You took something away from me. And I'm angry at you. And you know what anger, the danger of anger, anger is not stationary. Anger will move with you, and it will move into other relationships you have. It will move into your family like no other. Anger is so dangerous to our heart. Greed, I owe me. We learned last week a great um, definition of greed is greed is the assumption, it's for my consumption. Greed is it's all about me. I worked hard for it. It's mine. Allow greed to come in. And jealousy, life owes me. I've worked hard for things and I don't get it. You know what? Life, you owe me. So how do we combat these things? How do we put up guardrails right now in our hearts so we don't allow these four emotions to creep in and devastate what we say to other people and what you and I do? Four quick things to combat these guardrails for your heart. Are you ready, church? Let me try that again because that was like really unenthusiastic. I'm a passion guy too, so that was not passion. So let me ask you again. Are you ready, church? Yeah, even the baby was happy, all right? Here we go, guilt, you want to put up a guardrail for your heart when it comes to guilt, have a confessing heart. Wake up every day and go to bed every night just confessing, God, I am so sorry for the things that I've done. Just have an attitude of just absolute confessing of everything you do so you don't carry that guilt with you. Confess, confess, confess. Give, give, give to God. Everything, every guilt, every regret that creeps into your heart, confess it immediately. Don't allow guilt to creep in. You want to battle anger. Anger, forgive. Oh, but I kind of like being mad at that person that hurt me back there. Because I feel like now I'm in control. When unforgiveness comes into your heart, unforgiveness is in control of your life. And you've got to give that away. Ryan, I did, but it's still there. Forgiveness is never a one-time act. Forgiveness is a process. And every time that hurt and anger roars its ugly head in your heart, you forgive again, and you forgive again, and you forgive again. You can't forgive on your own strength. That's why you need the Heavenly Father's strength to forgive. But you forgive. You forgive. Greed. You want to combat greed when it's all about you? How about a heart of giving that we talked about last week? We said a giving heart sets a slaved heart free. When you say life is about me, I can do whatever I want, you are ruled by selfishness. Selflessness will change this world. Start giving away. I don't know what that looks like for you. Can you give time, keep your talents? Can you give anything away just to help someone? And lastly, if we're really honest with jealousy, even though with jealousy we say life owes me, you know what it really boils down to? God owes me. I worked so hard. For that job that finally opened up at my workplace and I thought that door was wide open and I walked through. And God, you slammed that door shut and someone else got it. God, you owe me. I worked so hard for this. God, I've worked hard for my marriage and I look around and see everyone else seems beautiful and butterflies and unicorns and their marriage looks perfect. Why is mine crumbling? I've done everything I should. God, you owe me. that's what jealousy does. It will creep in, and jealousy will make you angry at your Heavenly Father. You want to combat jealousy? Eh, eh. You want to combat jealousy? It's awesome. Celebrate. Hey, I'm really happy you got that job, even though I wanted it. But I'm happy. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that does to your heart? I'm so happy you have a better vehicle than I do. I'm happy for you. I'm happy you have the house of my dreams. I'm happy for you. I'm happy your kids aren't rebelling. I'm going to celebrate. God, I just wish I could have that, but I'm celebrating what you're doing in other people's lives. What would it look like to be a church that we celebrate what other churches are doing? What would it look like to be a church that we celebrate because of things that we don't have but others have? That we don't sit there and get angry at God because we're jealous. We don't get angry at others because they have other things. They have nicer things. They have bigger things. They get things when you think you deserve them. But what would it look like if we just said, you know, I'm going to celebrate because I don't want jealousy to rule this heart. Charles Spurgeon, the pastor and He's is a great theologian, He's, he has this quote that's phenomenal. He says this, there are many sorts of broken hearts and Christ is good at healing them all. I love that quote. As I wrap up, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is everything okay with your heart? Just think about that. Because we can come in to a building on Sunday morning, we can come in and say, hey, how are you? We see our friends, we see people that we don't know, and we ask, how are you, right? That's, that's our mantra, that's just what we are safe with, with America, is how are you? And we say, hey, it's good, it's fine, but deep down you come in, and your heart's hurting. Anywhere in your heart, have you let unforgiveness creep in? Is there any place in your heart where you're celebrating someone else's loss because you're jealous and you're glad they lost that because you wanted it? Is everything okay with your heart this morning? Because remember the way we started out looking at King Solomon's words in Proverbs? Above all else, can we read these three words together? Guard your Everything you do flows from it. Is everything okay with your heart this morning? I want to pray for us this morning. Maybe we just bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. And let that question just sink in for a moment. Can I really say everything's okay? morning. If it's not, just give it over to your Heavenly Father who loves you so much. He's ready to take it from you. Don't carry it. It's time to live the life that Jesus says we can have. When Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to the full. My fear in America, friends, is we just think That actually, Jesus, we don't feel like Jesus is enough. And we just got to consume things. It messes with our heart. Is everything okay with your heart this morning? I'm going to say a prayer this morning. And for some of us this morning, we were like, yeah, my heart is heavy sick of it Ryan I want you to say this prayer and some of us this morning are on the opposite end and we're sitting there going I don't even know I I have a heart it's been cold for far too long I'm just ready to give it over to someone who can take it because I can't do this life alone and you've never surrendered your heart to God I just want you to say this prayer quietly in your heart just repeat after me quietly just Heavenly Father My heart is so heavy this morning. I'm just tired. I need you to take control of it. I'm putting my faith and trust into you, Jesus. To forgive me of my sins. To renew my heart. To give me freedom. To set me free so I can live the life you called me to live. I believe you died on the cross for me, beaten and tortured, crucified, all for me. This morning, I surrender my heart to With all eyes still closed, we do this at Radiant Life, is when you say this prayer, we truly believe that an inward decision expressed outwardly, it just does something to you and for you. So I'm going to count to three, and if you said that prayer this morning, I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up. This is between you and God. There's no one else looking. This is between you, God, and I'm going to see your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. But on the count of three, just shoot your hand out. that you are done. You are giving it all to Jesus this morning. Number one, God loves you so much. Number two, you are a loved and cherished child of the one true king. Number three, if you said that prayer this morning, raise your hand. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see you on the left. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. You are so good in the midst of our hearts that feel sometimes so stinking heavy. But we thank you for the freedom that you give us. We thank you for who you are and what you do. We thank you. As you took those nails in your hands and your feet, you thought about each and every one of us. We don't have to walk around with things. Heavenly Father, will you help us to guard our hearts for everything we do flows from it. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we just give God a hand this morning? for? We're going to celebrate. Celebrate communion together. At Radiant Life, we have this one guideline. You don't have to be a member at Radiant Life. You've just had to have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's a, just a symbol and reminder of what Jesus did for you and for me. When Jesus was in the upper room with his 12 disciples and he took the bread and broke it and gave thanks and said, take this and eat, do this in remembrance of me, I'm wondering what's going on in the disciples' mind. This Jesus that we followed, our rabbi for three and a half years, what's going to happen? I don't get it, Jesus. Then he took the cup of wine and said, drink, this is my blood that will be shed for you, the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. And I wonder in that moment in the disciples' side, they say, no, oh, no, Jesus, you cannot die. And Jesus says, no, I got to go because I'm going to send you someone who's greater than me, who will do greater things in your life. It's the Spirit of God. His name is the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want us to celebrate as we come down a reminder of what Jesus did for you, how much he loves you. We have two tables in the back corners for you. We have three up front. When your heart, when your heart is ready, will you come and receive the bread, which is all gluten-free, and the cup of juice? Take it when you're ready. Maybe you want to go and hit these corners and pray or go back to your seats and take it as J.B. plays quietly and sings over us. But have and come and celebrate and celebrate what Jesus did for you. When your heart's ready, let's come and celebrate communion together.